Welcome to the Share Life Podcast with Jason Scott Montoya, where we explore stories and systems to live better and work smarter. Welcome to another Inspirational People interview on the Share Life Podcast. Today, I'm here with Justin DeVries. Did I get that right? DeVries? Yes, that's right. You got Just- it. Uh, just, uh, Dustin, Dustin, say hello. Welcome. <laughs> hey, th- thank you for having me. Uh, Dustin is the owner of an Austin-based uh, app development company called Caffeine Interact- Interactive. Caffeine Interactive. So we definitely need to talk about what your caffeine sources are over there. Um, he's a specialist in software strategy and architecture and a family man who enjoys gardening, cooking, fishing, and guitar playing. He believes that a work-life balance is essential to operate a business overcome adversities and find a bigger purpose in life. So Dust, uh, Justin, Dustin, getting the Justins and the Dustins mixed up. Dustin, welcome. Uh, tell us about you and your story and, and uh, how you, you know, how you got to be a business owner and, and how that journey has been and how that brings you to today and, and how cooking ties into all of that as well. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Yeah. First, thanks for having me. Um, yeah. So my story, you know, I started off, uh, graduated from, from college. I went off, got a job in the semiconductor industry for about 10 years. Um, started to learn that wasn't really what I wanted to do. I wanted to have uh, more freedom in my life than maybe provided with a nine to five corporate job. So uh, a lot of stress related to that. So I started doing some freelance work. I'd always been, you know, even when I was working in the corporate world, doing software development. So just kind of broadened that, started building more uh, websites, web apps, that sort of thing. Uh, kind of hit critical mass, and this was 2010, I guess, when I left corporate world. Okay. 2013, kind of hit critical mass, where it's like, okay, well, I've got more work that I can handle. You need yeah. to start telling people, no, raise my rates, or I can start yeah. building a team. So that's what yeah. I did. Okay. Here we are. Now, now that's the difference between you and I. So I used to own a marketing agency. It's called Noodlehead Marketing, and I, I went down that road, and now I'm an independent uh, contractor, freelancer, consultant, however you want to label me, but... Um, I'm doing the opposite, which is I don't want to build a team right now. <laughs> um, so it's funny because, you know, we all go down different paths and, and it leads. To you might have made course. the right decision. <laughs> it's hard. We'll you know, it's, it is hard. Um, I think there are a lot of benefits to having a team that I do miss. And um, and 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 there's the the income dependency that sort of comes with, with the labor as, as an individual. Um, and it's pros and cons. It's just I think for me, I, I found it to be. Um, a distraction from, from the purpose, kind of like you were uh, mentioned in your, in your statement. So, um, so yeah, so tell us uh, how that's unfolded and, and why you called it caffeine interactive and whether or not you have Mountain Dew stored in the refrigerator or not. <laughs> uh, no, pretty much just, just iced tea and, and coffee. Those are my, okay. uh, and you know, yeah. an occasional uh, diet Dr. Pepper for any, well, you can't it. Yeah, yeah. My <laughs> ah. um, but uh, yeah, occasional diet Dr. Pepper, but yeah, just, uh, you know, really where it came from was my, when I was still uh, freelancing, um, my wife was uh, involved in a, uh, in another startup company, another, uh, her and another person started a business and they called it Caffeine Consulting. Okay. And that business uh, never really got off the ground. It was something she's kind of do, doing on the side with uh, some of the other work she was doing. And, but I like the name. So when we yeah, decided yeah. to start our business, and so I, I didn't mention that part of it. We are a husband and wife founded company. Okay, yeah, so yeah. my background is in software development. My wife's background is in 
Uh, she's a product manager. So building okay. out requirements for applications, wireframing mockups, kind of all of that sort of stuff. She's really good at defining yeah, the yeah. problem. And then I come in and, and uh, you know, do the implementation. So pretty good one-two punch with, you know, yeah, yeah. a couple dynamics. Yeah, me, when uh, I had the company, me and my wife worked together for the, the first half of it. And then she, we had kids and that kind of changed her direction. So do, do you have children or? Yes, we do. We have two, two yeah. kids, okay. 11 and two 12. Kids. So Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So, um, and uh, why why start a company? Why, what was the and what was it like to to shift from a uh, corporate America to entrepreneurship? Oh, it was great. I mean, it, it has its own. You're trading one set of stresses for another. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I I don't know. I think people. It, I think it's less so now, but back when I did it, it, the whole idea of starting a business and being an entrepreneur was very romanticized. I think it still is to a certain extent now. Yeah. But you know, I always think of it as. You really are trading one set of problems for another. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer that everything's kind of kind of equals out in life. And I'm sometimes envious of the person who can go and work a nine to five job in the corporate world mm-hmm. and go and check in each day and check out. And they've got, you know, that separation. Yeah. Maybe talking about work-life balance, maybe a better work-life balance than yeah. uh, what I have now, because a lot of times work overflows into into you know other things that you know phone goes off at dinner or middle of yeah. the night something breaks yeah so, there's there's something about you know, entrepreneurship whether it's freelancing or being a business owner where the structures that maybe a corporate company offers they don't exist you have to create and enforce them yourself yeah um, you know a good example like you said is is time boundaries uh you know retirement investment is another one like uh, as a freelancer no one's gonna tell you to invest for your, your future or as an entrepreneur so yeah. Yeah. You're exactly right. Yeah. I think there's, there's a lot more involved, but I like, you know, setting my own schedule. I think the thing that drove me the most crazy when I was in the corporate world was just how inefficient I felt like mm-hmm. my life was, you know, cause you wake up in the morning, you gotta get dressed. Whereas now I can just jump straight out of bed and get on my computer if I want to, right. You gotta go drive to work, meet to work, which in my case, it was about, you know, 15, 20 minute drive to work, but you know, for some it's, it's even worse. And then when you get to work, you know, the distractions from people stopping by your desk and just, you want to go get, a cup of coffee from the break room it takes you 45 minutes because you get caught up with somebody whether it's a fun conversation or a work conversation it's just at the end of the day i'd look and be like man i feel like i only worked for like maybe three or four hours if yeah. that may even be generous because of all the <laughs> other interruptions and meetings yeah. and everything else so now being the boss i can you know decide when i want to blow off meetings i can decide when we should meet and say you know this doesn't really require a meeting let's figure this out yeah. over slack or whatever you know so yeah there's, there's definitely some advantages but there's disadvantages for sure mm-hmm. yeah so what have been some of the biggest challenges you faced in your, in your journey so far, or one in particular that, that would stand out that to kind of highlight just the journey, the story you've been on? Oh gosh. Um, you know, I mean, this definitely, you know, I think one of the things that came up early on with our business is we were getting, uh, getting a lot of work, but, um, we weren't look at the cash flow. We we're having mm-hmm. cash flow issues. And so a lot of things around like, structures around the way we do projects and the payment mm-hmm. process and you know we need to be paid uh or you know setting up retainers and you know prepayments on on projects and if we're not going to do a retainer prepayment on project then you know it affects the hourly rate having these different triggers that we can yeah. we can pull to maybe reduce the cost for the customer you know in exchange for reducing risk for us and so um you know that was definitely a, a big one for us um you know, I mean, there's been other personal things like I, I don't, I don't think I've shared this with you yet, but uh, I, I had cancer back in 2018. Mm-hmm. So that was a big, that was a big shocker, right? Mm-hmm. Going through all that. And, you know, I'm lucky to say that 
I made it through okay, but I had to go through chemotherapy mm. and a lot of craziness. And so, what, what uh, was it unexpected? Uh, I mean, obviously it was unexpected, but was there like symptoms or was it, did it kind of the diagnostic come out of the blue or? Yeah, it was essentially was with this testicular cancer. And so it had metastasized into my uh, abdomen region, uh, mm. to my retroperitoneum. And so it's, they call it it's the medical term for the, the region. Um, but I just, that's, you know, it's going for walks every day and going for a run every now and then I was just getting these weird pains after about a mile and it's just like really debilitating right after like sit down and so mm. started going getting it checked out thought it was like GI tract related stuff and ended up being you know they found this huge mass in my body and like well <laughs> and I thought it was a sarcoma you know so there's a lot of just fear and trauma around that because at one point we thought it was a sarcoma which is like a you know much uh the the prognosis on that is is very poor compared to uh, most testicular cancers. Mm. And so a lot of fear around that, you know, we'd gone through, uh, you know, having a fit, built a family and everything else and realizing yeah. that my time may be short lived here. And so how do we deal with that? How do we also deal with, um, you know, everything else that's, that's going on in our lives, running a business. And, you know, fortunately, I think we were able to build up the business to a point then and build up the right systems and hire the right people that we were able, able to overcome that and, and do well, mm -hmm. but that was a really traumatic experience. And, you know, that was certainly a big, big challenge. Yeah. It, I mean, do you, do you still, it's what, three years later? Yeah. Um, do you still feel like you're recovering from that season? Or not really? I mean, I feel like I'm, you know, from a health, like physical perspective, I feel very healthy and I feel good. So I, I don't see a lot of problems from that perspective. Um, mentally, uh, emotionally, yeah, I think it's changed me. Um, you know, I think for the, for the better, you know, the short term was, it was not great, but I think that's what most people experience when they go through some yeah. sort of traumatic experience. You never say like, uh, you know, never thank God for getting cancer, thank God for yeah. whatever kind of problems you may be having. Right. But, but uh, you can at least thank him for the the message and the, what you learned from that. And that's kind of how, how, what I took away from that was just feeling mm -hmm. like, you know, I, I learned something from this experience and it made me a better person. It made me and we always, you know, I think I've always tried to do a good job of reflecting on things and being aware of like, like even before I had cancer, I would think about the fact I'd sit there and look at how my kids were and I'd start doing the math, to figure out how soon it was before they're going to be driving, how soon yeah. it was going to be before they go off to college and thinking, man, I've only got like 12 years left. Like, it seems like a long time, but it's really not that long. And then, you know, cancer just kind of put a whole another dynamic on like not taking things for granted. And everyone probably says that who's gone through cancer and been able, been fortunate enough to make it through and, and survive. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think that's, that was definitely a big important focus for me. Yeah. So what would you say is the difference between the person before the cancer and the person you are now? The Dustin, pre-cancer Dustin and post. That's a good question. Uh, I mean, I, I would like to think I'm more introspective in my life and my relationships. I try to be more intentional with the things that are, uh, important to me um you know i've taken on some new habits like this year i started journaling uh, i've done some journaling in the past but something i've taken up uh here recently to start off the new year uh using that as kind of a um what you call it like a, a checks and balances system to make sure that i'm uh staying on top of the things that are important to me um you know i think sometimes we kind of fill things out just based on intuition I say, oh, I haven't spent some time with my kids in the last few days. Maybe I need to go do that. But being able to like actually journal about these mm -hmm. kind of things and, and have records and kind of quantify it all 
is, is helping me out. So there's some, you know, behaviors like that that have changed. I'm trying to get my health in order. I mean, kind of suffered from that going through that experience. And so um, coming out of that, you know, uh, been trying to do more, get more active. Like I used to be a big runner. I ran a half marathon uh, back in like 2007 or eight, somewhere around there, 2006. I don't remember exactly. Yeah. It kind of let that slide to the point where I wasn't running at all. And just like mm. in the last couple of months of, for the first time I ran, you know, got in a three and a half mile run. And I was like, wow, this is great. It's like good old days. You know, I used to do this <laughs> like every other day, you know, and I'd run it like 25 minutes or something, you know, and now I'm like chugging along at 40 minutes plus, but you know, I've made it. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm trying to try to turn this around and take care of myself because I know that life is yeah. short and I want to be around for my kids and just facing that, knowing that, you know, thinking about things like I may, you know, mm-hmm. my you know, I'm not going to be there to walk my daughter down the aisle when she gets married or my son gets married. He has kids. I'm not going to be there. You know, those things were really important to me. I really thought about that thinking like, yeah. man, like if this cancer takes me, I'm not going to get to experience those things. And so now realizing I don't want to take any of that for granted. I want to do everything I yeah. can to be on this earth as long as I can and be healthy uh, so I can experience all these great things that the, the future holds. Yeah. Do you find that, I mean, as an entrepreneur, you're, you're used to sort of, um, taking control of your destiny in a way, but something like cancer sort of takes that um, steering wheel or control away, or at least the perception that we have that. Um, So how do you sort of reconcile that with the idea of having grace for yourself in the sense that as much as you'd like to be able to sort of overcome, there are some things of which we're subject to things that are beyond our control. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And, you know, the, the way I would answer that is, you know, I, I love last couple of years, I've really uh, grown to just love the serenity prayer. And someone asked me the other day, if you could, if you had a sheet of paper in your pocket that would have one thing on it, what would it be? And I answered the serenity prayer, which, you know, for uh, listeners, you know, basically probably most know the serenity prayer, if not grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And I think that ties right in with what you're saying, because there's so many things that we, we can control that we should try to control. And there's so many things we can't control. And, you know, I see that all the time. I see that play out with my family, um, not, not just my immediate family, but I mean, my extended family, uh, you know, disagreements between aunts and uncles or whatever it might be, right? Dif- different things that come up. And it's like, well, you know, some things you just can't, you know, I can't control looking at, say, other people's relationships, or I can't control whether, well, I guess maybe to some extent I could control cancer, living a healthier life, but I don't even know where mine came from. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't yeah. know that it was because I was living a bad life or had bad habits or anything like that. It, sometimes it just happens. You hear about this happening to people all the time where a guy that's been like fit and exercise all his life and he falls over dead from a heart attack. And it's like, it's just, it's, it's horrible to think about, but you yeah. know, you don't have control over everything sometimes. And so just learning to to roll with that. And I think what's been a big, important life lesson to me is, and this is something that's even affected the way I pray and the way I think about my, uh, my spiritual beliefs and everything else is, you know, I think as, as a Christian, I tend to think about praying for, for healing, mm-hmm. praying for things, events to change. And I believe in the power of prayer, I believe that sometimes God does intercede and make changes in our lives. But I also think sometimes a more important prayer is not to pray for a particular outcome, but to pray for the the blessing and the mm-hmm. the emotional growth that we get, the spiritual growth we get out of these lessons. Cause I can think of multiple things that have happened in, in my past. I mean, you know, another important thing from my past is we uh, adopted our two kids through foster care. Okay. Um, 
And that was back in like, you know, when I left corporate world, we were kind of dealing with infertility issues and thinking about what do we want to do as far as building a family, looking at, you know, different treatments related to science, like in vitro fertilization, things like that versus yeah. considering adoption. And we decided to go not only the adoption route, but go through foster care. And that was a huge challenge yeah. that became a blessing that I left my job in the corporate world because that gave me more freedom to be able to spend with mm. our kids. Um, you know, so I'm really honest about why I left the corporate world. You know, those probably really more leading than just stress of corporate environment. There were other things going on my personal life that I wanted to be able to, to take care of it that were important to me. Um, but knowing that, you know, when we're going through things like infertility, yeah, that was not the most fun thing in the world to deal with, of course. But, uh, you know, it was such a blessing now because we would never had our two kids that we have now. Like I would not, you know, if I could go back and change that, of course I wouldn't change that. These are our two kids. We love them to death and they're just, you know, yeah. they are our family and I couldn't imagine any yeah. other outcome, you know, and, Whereas we wouldn't have gotten to experience this. So I look back at that and I can actually legitimately say for that particular issue, I'm blessed that we dealt with infertility because of what, yeah. it, what it gave us. And I can't say well, I'm necessarily yeah. blessed from cancer, but I have, there are blessings that came from cancer, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and with, with the adoption, you, you certainly changed the trajectory of their lives. Um, in our lives and, too. Yeah. And, and, and they did, I guess. Yeah, as well. So kind of in that vein, you know, what do you, when you think about living better and what does it mean to live better? Uh, how do you connect to that and relate to that in your own journey? You know, I think if you can, I think everyone has different. Yeah. One of the things that kind of annoys me, I hear people say sometimes is if you can find something you love and do it every day, uh, you know, and make money at it, then you never have to work a day in your life. I, I take the complete opposite side of that. I don't, <laughs> I don't believe, I don't believe that. Cause I think the things that I actually do love um, I would want to do for a job. So I think I'd get sick of them really fast, but I do believe that, you know, so I don't really look at it from that perspective. I guess I look at more from just balance, you know, and I've, I've thought about this, something, you know, I mentioned journaling, starting off with journaling this year, and I wanted to quantify the different dynamics, the different facets of my life that I care about. And I kind of came up with a, I came up with an acronym. It's pretty lame, but I'm going to share it anyways, because I'm sharing everything else. Might as well share this one too. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's POSSIE, P-O-S-S-I-E. And it stands for, okay. for six different words. The P is for physical O is for occupational, S, S1 is for uh, so, social, uh, okay. S2 is for spiritual, the I is for intellectual, and the E is for emotional. And so okay. those are kind of the six dynamics. And you can look online. I, I did some Google searching, see like what, when people think about a well-rounded life and work-life balance, what, what are those different facets of life that people care about? Some, you know, some people break it into eight or 10 different things. Some people break it into only like four. I decided yeah. to go with six because I, could, I was able to find it a lame acronym to, to kind of remember mm. it by, but, um, you know, I was just trying to keep all those balance of, you know, take care of yourself physically, taking care of your work, occupational side of it, taking care of your relationships with your family and your friends. That's the social part of it. The spiritual part is obviously your relationship with God or higher being your purpose on life, whatever you want to think about that. I is the intellectual side, learning, stimulating your brain, challenging yourself and E emotional, you know, connecting with yourself, taking some time to like, just really think about life and, and, you know, whether it's, uh, uh, meditating, whatever the case may be, you know, just using those, those tools in your life to, to become a better person. And yeah. uh, then by breaking it out into those different buckets, I can ask myself every day and I make this part of my journaling process, ask myself, how am I filling each of these six buckets? Am I doing a good job on these or am I not? And at the end of the week or at the end of the month, I can look back and I can see, okay, well, every day I managed to do a good job with work, but I really didn't do a good job you know, with my relationships, I didn't spend as much time with my family as I should have. And then, you yeah. know, making a focus the next week or the next month to, mm -hmm. to make, be more intentional about that. I think it's been helpful for me. Yeah. Yeah. So on the, on the work front, then how do you, how do you connect that? And you talk about work life balance, you know, what does it mean to work smarter? 
and uh, and how do you navigate the the tension between the personal and the and the work? So I think working smarter. I, I just got finished reading um, the book Atomic Habits. Uh, I don't okay. know if you're familiar with the book, but it's um, yeah, I've heard of it. I've read a, another one uh, called The Power of Habit, which I think is pretty similar. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, in, in uh, Atomic Habits, he talks a little bit about uh, you know some of some of these topics like working smarter. And he, he actually put it in a phrase that I really like because I used to go to, when I first started off as an entrepreneur, I was kind of still working in the corporate world, but I'd gotten into affiliate marketing. We went to some affiliate marketing conventions. They were great. I mean, you know, enjoyed them, but I, I started to see like this culture of people who just go to all these conventions all the time and, you know, they're reading all these books, but it's like, what action are you actually really taking? <laughs> yeah. And then in Atomic Habits, he brings this up. He talks about motion versus, versus action. A lot of people are in motion. They're doing a lot of things, but they're not actually really taking action. You know, they're, I'm mm -hmm. going to go to this conference. I'm going to read this book. I'm going to do this thing or that thing, but they're not really doing anything that has any uh, tangible quality in terms of producing an outcome that will affect their business. And so I think to me, uh, when I think about uh, working smarter, it's really about, you know, a couple of things. One is being, doing things that are more actionable versus just staying busy you know, not just coming in, clocking, clocking in, clocking out, feeling like I was busy all day because I sat at my desk all day and answered a bunch of emails, but actually doing something that moves my business forward. Another book I really loved was the book by Gary Keller, The One Thing, where he talks about mm -hmm. focusing on the one thing each day. If you focus on that one thing uh, each day, then you'll have a one thing collectively you want to do for that week, which translates into a one thing you want to do for the month, for the quarter, for the year, three years, five yeah, years, yeah. Long out, like that domino effect, right? And so focusing on that one thing, it also ties in with Atomic Habits too, because Atomic Habits talks about like, you know, there's an example used British cycling team where they were, they've made a 1%, they try to make a 1% improvement across a variety of different places. And collectively all those 1% improvements turned them from being, you know, not that great of a cycling team to winning for like so many years in a row yeah. or something like that. And like that concept of like trying to be more smart about the way you work systems obviously plays into that. Another quote from Atomic Habits, I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't know the quote offhand, the exact quote, but it's something about uh, you don't rise to the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your systems. I, mm. I thought that was really powerful to me. It's like building up the systems and the processes, you know, journaling plays into that for me. I keep going back to journaling, but it's played a big part in that for me because my biggest challenge for 2021 is I had all these things I wanted to do. I look back on it, I don't really feel like I accomplished what I wanted. And um, I know that the biggest reason for that was probably because there were many days, most days where I came in, I said, this is what I want to do today but I let another excuse get in my way of actually mm -hmm. accomplishing what was needed. Now, how's that tie in with personal life? I mean, that's, you know, just trying to get work balance. So you're focused on the right things is tough enough. And then being able to step away from that at the end of the day, I think just being disciplined, you know, one, another thing I try to do is I try to do my one thing. I like to do that first, you know, yeah. so if I don't get anything else done, I at least got that one thing that I know yeah. I need to do my business forward. Uh, and then being able to step away and, you know, turn off the phone and spend time with the family mm -hmm. and, and all that is, is obviously important. Yeah. 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 A few things you said reminded me uh, years ago when I, um, I was having trouble, um, with that consistency, uh, dynamic, um, in, in a way I knew what needed to be done. I knew, I knew how to, to make the success or the results that I was looking for. I just couldn't actually do those things. And I, uh, heard, I was at an event with Jim Collins speaking and he, he made a comment. He said, mediocrity is the sign of chronic inconsistency. And it was like, uh, you know, he's talking right to me. And so at the same time, I ran into this tool of, unfortunately, which is no longer around, but it was called I Run, You Run. And the guy who started it, 
um, his, the reason he started was he was having that motion, like you're talking about, but he wasn't actually moving his, he had a law firm, his, his, his law firm forward. And so he sat down and he kind of just stopped doing everything. And he said, what are like the five things that I must do every day or every week in order to move this business forward? And how many times do I need to do those? And it was really clear to him what those were. And so he wrote them down and then he said, and I'm going to track myself and I'm going to keep doing this each week and I'm going to hold myself accountable. And, and that led to the tool being developed. And um, I used that tool for a while. And, and I realized um, after I started using it and I started getting that focus, okay, what are the, what are the five things I need to be doing to move my business forward? And um, I realized when I, when I did that, I was able to get all those things done um, on a Monday and Tuesday. It took me two days to get all this done. And so what it, what that revealed to me was there were um, one, I wasn't doing those things. So I was spending a whole week doing things that weren't those things. And then it also revealed when I got that focus, I now had three extra days to go do other things, you know, build relationships or community building or networking or whatever. So that was interesting to just go through that exercise. It's, um, you know, often, you know, in retrospect, that busy work, that motion, um, we want to feel good about what we're doing and it's less about actually accomplishing the goal that maybe we say we want, but for some reason we're not actually wanting it or, 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 you know, I'd have to kind of dissect that a little bit more, but does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, no, I, and I agree hundred percent. I think we even subconsciously, a lot of times we allow things like, I feel like if I'm checking my work email and I'm responding to customers, I'm doing a great service to my company. I'm doing what I'm supposed mm -hmm. to do. But the reality is sometimes I use it as an excuse not to do what I should actually mm -hmm. be doing, right? So yeah, can, I, can that customer wait? You know, if, if it's an emergency, yeah, maybe it's an immediate response. But, yeah. You know, if it's something that can wait a few hours so I can focus on what's more important, mm -hmm. why not go ahead and do that and then just batch process my email? I mean, I know yeah. people who, and this is something I've toyed with, I haven't actually embraced, but I've been kind of thinking about in 2022, actually setting up my, my inbox so that, you know, there's a, I think, is it Boomerang? I can't remember. There's a, a yeah. plugin for Well, Gmail. I know in Gmail, you can snooze. Um, so. Okay. Maybe, maybe, maybe they didn't have the feature back when I was yeah. using it before. Yeah. It used to be, you had to get a plug-in and actually, yeah, snooze or have it delivered, say, you know, deliver my email mm -hmm. at noon and six it, every yeah. day or whatever. And I've even thought about doing that. It's like, yeah, you know, you can easily mm -hmm. get distracted. That's, that's one of my biggest problems. That's why I had to finally get, yeah. and I'm still, even though I'm writing it down every day and I'm like focused on it, I'm like calling out, like, this is my one thing and I'm going to do it. And I've got to like check it off on my journal. There's like this accountability uh, aspect to it. I'm still finding myself not doing it first, you know, find myself yeah. late in the day. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I did not get this thing done. I can get it done right now. And I'm yeah. struggling to get it done. It's so frustrating. It like makes me, yeah. sad. <laughs> but you know, sometimes it takes a while to break bad habits. You know, you got to put into practice new things and start to retrain your brain. And that's kind of what I'm struggling with now. Yeah. Well, and I think like you mentioned earlier, the systems piece of it. And for me, you know, when I started, I ended up shutting down my company in 2014 and, uh, started freelancing and, um, and in the first few years, there was a tension that a natural tension in being a uh, freelancer um, who had to provide for his family. So I was the sole income for our home. That bear was chasing me, so to speak. <laughs> and when the bear's chasing you, that gives you motivation, right? That gave me motivation. But as I've been freelancing since then, so it's you know a little over seven years now, as I've been more successful and I have more steadiness and I have financial buffers, that bear isn't there anymore. And um, 
you know, he pokes his head out every once in a while to say hi, but, but it's not the same as him chasing me. And so I have to have these systems that, um, that kind of simulate the bear um, when the bear's not there. And the other part of it for me now is, you know, I have, I'm having a little bit of health issues with my neck. I've got some discs in my neck that are pushing on nerves in my right arm and causing pain and tingling and numbness. And so it's debilitating where like, I don't have the stamina that I did before I'm having to, uh, and even the motivational piece is, is it's, it's diminished because of this. I feel like I'm kind of stuck, um, until, until I'm able to get this resolved. So so it's another type of, uh, it's almost like a, a, a different tension, but, but these, these are circumstances, they're contextual um, environments that we're in that, that do shape us. And a lot of times more so than even, even when we have all the right things in place to, to handle them, um, sometimes those contexts can diminish um, our motivation, our discipline, you know, even when we've mm -hmm. had those before, does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. And I like your, your analogy of the bear chasing you and <laughs> you know, having to artificially like, you know, introduce that from time to time to, to mm -hmm. keep the motivation up. Yeah. And I, I'm a strong proponent of everyone's kind of motivated by different, different factors. You know, some people work better with the, with the fear of, of failure and some people work better, you know, just from a management mm -hmm. perspective, looking at our employees, you know, some people work better with the rewards of success and being motivated and, and, you yeah. know, acknowledged and they look for that praise versus the fear of something going bad. And there's all kinds of different varieties of it, but yeah, yeah I think those are good, you know, something I, I can probably get better at, but I think sometimes it's just building the systems and being able to quantify mm -hmm. things in a way where, you know, like for me, I haven't done a budget since uh, it's been way too long. I like yeah. the last time I really put together a budget with our business, yeah. but yeah, like I did that uh, just, like the other day and like going through that, I was like, man, I did not want to look at this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did not want to see this. You know, I, I want to just pretend everything was perfect. It's not like things are horrible, but you know, I'm like, man, like I'm looking at how much we spent on like different marketing initiatives last year and some of the things we, we try to do that we weren't successful with. And um, you know, those are all things to learn from, but to be able to quantify it and be able to actually see, okay, well, here's where my, my resources are going mm -hmm. uh, is is uh, a barren of itself sometimes i think yeah yeah there's a um um the, the, have you ever heard of admiral stockdale yes was, uh -huh. uh, the president of war he has that quote yeah. he says you must never confuse faith that you prevail prevail in the end which you can never afford to lose with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality whatever they might be um, oh, so when you, when you said the not wanting to look at the budget stuff, mm -hmm. it made me think of that because we don't oh, want to look at the good news, but it's actually, um, our salvation is through confronting those brutal facts. Yeah. He was the running mate for, uh, Ross Perot, right? Believe oh, I don't remember that. I, I, I think he was, that. I think I'm oh, okay. pretty sure he was, if, if it's the right guy. Yeah, I'm pretty sure yeah. he was. Okay. Yeah. He was the prisoner of war in Vietnam and one of the few that, mm -hmm that survived. And, um, some of the folks that were with him, you know, he, he kind of, that, that quote came out of this idea of like, well, why did some survive and some didn't. And, um, and a lot of them had this sort of false hope, you know, they, you know, maybe Christmas was coming. So they thought, Oh, we're going to be rescued by Christmas. And then Christmas mm -hmm. would come and go. What about Easter? And then Easter would come and go and next Christmas is come and go. And, and so people yeah. had their hope in this, um, this sort of mirage of rescue that may or may not happen. And by not confronting the brutal fact that they may never get rescued, um, 
you know, they lost hope and they lost motivation. Yeah, I've got to mention you know, a book that uh, you may have read. I'm not sure, but Man's Search for Meaning by uh, Victor. Okay. I'm familiar with it. I haven't read it. Yeah, yeah. that's a great one, too, because it talks about, you know, his time he spent in the concentration camp and how he came out of that. And that, mm-hmm. that was a huge game changer for me just because mm-hmm. yeah, I read that before cancer. But it just kind of turned that whole thing upside down of thinking, OK, well, whatever yeah. I'm dealing with, there's always going to be some positive that comes out of it. And this is how like and he talks a lot about like how was the difference between the people who survived the concentration camps and those who, mm. who didn't. And a lot of it was those sort of things, the, the mind yeah. and mental tricks. You know, it's amazing to think what the human mind, human condition, what we can handle, yeah. uh, the, the things we, we get put through. And I think a lot of times, you know, good and bad, like, you know, that's what we say. If you win the lottery, like, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be more happy. You might be happy for a few weeks, a few months, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but you know, pretty soon it's going to wear down and you know, you're, yeah. that's going to be your new baseline. It's all about, mm-hmm. you know, I think happiness and, and sadness is all based around your displacement from your baseline. So if yeah. you achieve a lot of success, you create a new baseline. If you mm-hmm. deal with a lot of pain and suffering, that becomes your baseline. So it's bad when you're doing well, because then you're always kind of ground or maybe that's a good thing. You're kind of grounded, but when you're doing really bad, you can still yeah. like you build a new baseline, you learn a way to endure and deal with it. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so you've mentioned, you know, several of these books and people that have influenced you and made an impact. And I imagine there've been many more. So what, what do you think about this, the idea of mentoring and sort of extending a hand towards those that come before you and, and accepting the help from those that are ahead of you? I think it's huge. Um, I think if you can ever be, you know, both, uh, the giver and the recipient of that, mm-hmm. I think is, is huge. Um, you know, I've been fortunate to be able to do some of that in my life. Uh, some volunteer work we did before we, uh, adopted kids, uh, you know, with, uh, a foster home, which was just great, very rewarding for us. I wish we could have done more of it. Um, but you know, it was something that really taught us a lot about life and about people that maybe didn't get the same opportunities that I did. Um, and then also being able to be the recipient of that, working with people who may be smarter than me that can, that can help me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, you, you've got, if you're at point A, you want to get to point B, you got to figure out how to get to point B. Well, you can guess and keep trying to aim for point B until you get there, or you can go have someone help shortcut that process and, and get you there, uh, you know, much, much quicker. And I think that's, that's huge. Uh, you know, for me, it's, it's been huge, certainly, you know, not having the strong marketing background when I started my business, I've had to leverage mm-hmm. a lot of that with, with mentors and even, you know, hiring coaches and stuff like that to help me with, uh, my business. And it's been, you know, hugely rewarding, uh, and helped me learn how to, you know, what to focus on, what not to focus on. Um, and sometimes even, you know, they'll be able to help you with, with mm-hmm. pre-baked systems that you can put in place, uh, at least as a starting point, you know, you, main things you don't want to get too entrenched with one thing, right? Because everyone has different advice uh, for different different things. And so, you know, trying to balance all that out. But I think it's a great way to, to shortcut process when you're trying to grow something, you're trying to build, you're trying to grow yourself, whatever it might be um, yeah. to, to leverage those resources. Okay. And so um, what, like, when you think about when you started entrepreneurship, like, did you seek out some entrepreneurs to, or did that happen more organically or reactively, or were you intentional about that? You know, I'm really bad about this. I, I sit here and, you know, preach a good message on, on this, but I'm very um, introverted and just, yeah. you know, I don't, I'd like my space and my boundaries and, 
yeah. you know, we, we moved out of the city out to some, some land outside of Austin, um, just so I could get away from having neighbors right on top of me. Cause I'm just, I'm, I'm that type of person. I've said this to other people yeah. before, but like, I'll go down and, and run a, a ladder from Home Depot before I'll go borrow one from a neighbor. Cause I just, I hate yeah. like inconveniencing people and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. same thing with the mentorship. I think that was something that it, it, it wasn't natural for me. And so that's, a, maybe that's an important lesson to take from this is there's certain things that come really natural to you that you're mm-hmm. good at. You know, there's things I'm not good at. Like I'm not good at public speaking. I'm not like, you know, I, I've done some, you know, podcasting and things like that. I'm guest on your show, trying to keep it together here and not, not fall apart, <laughs> but you know, like it's not something that comes natural to me. Right. So I have yeah. to be more intentional about it versus other things. I think with, with, uh, some of this, that's, that's the same here of, you know, reaching out to resources. I've had to be more intentional about because it, it didn't just didn't come naturally. Some people are just like real good about, I got this problem. I know someone who can help me fix it. I'm going to go uh, chat with them for 30 minutes. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm moving along. Whereas me, I'm like, ah, I don't want to go and convince them. I'm going to plow through this. Mm-hmm. And then two days later, I'm, you know, stuck. And that's one of my one things I didn't get done because I'm, you know, uh, turning on it and, and not actually making progress. So yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm trying to be more intentional about it. And I think that's, but you know, lesson there is be more intentional about those things. And just in general, uh, accept the things you do well and accept the thing more importantly, accept the things you don't do well and try to find yeah. ways to overcome them. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you've talked a little bit about mentoring, working smarter, living better, in many ways, narratives shape us and our, mm-hmm. how we see the world and how we act in it. So what, uh, what are some real or fictional stories that have shaped you as a person? So I mentioned uh, Man's Search for Meaning. I believe mm-hmm. I have the title of that correct. It's, uh, I think it's Victor Frankl is the name of the author. Yeah, I think so. If I'm mistaken. Yeah. Um, that one was huge just for dealing with adversity and, and trying to turn things into a, mm-hmm. a positive. Um, you know, other ones, like I read the uh, biography by, uh, Phil Knight, the, uh, is it shoe dog, shoe dog million? I can't remember the name of it exactly, but it was his biography about how he founded Nike and some oh, of the okay. adversity he went through and, you know, hearing him give messages, like I mentioned the cash flow issue earlier, um, yeah. that we dealt with early on and hearing him put that in, cause you know, we were dealing with cash flow issues with earnings, uh, you know, an order of magnitude less than, than his, he was dealing with making like a million dollars a month. <laughs> yeah. And unable, he's having to borrow money from questionable places because he couldn't, <laughs> because of the cash flow issues. People were on like net 30, net 45, net 60 terms, and he's shipping yeah. out all these products, not getting paid for 60 days. Yeah. Um, but hearing that, you know, I think that was good. Like hearing him talk about, you know, now I don't know how many billions of dollars he's worth, but um, just seeing that there's so many points of friction and so many points where he could have failed. And it's like somehow he just kept, you know, he, he kept overcoming those yeah whether it was his own work or just kind of luckily falling into it or divine intervention who knows mm-hmm. but uh you know look at that and that, that certainly was something that had a uh, long-lasting impact on on me and the way i think about business yeah now I, I i think you uh you are into music is there anything about music that has to do with stories and narrative that appeals to you or is it simply a, a different type of outlet for you I think it's more a different type of outlet. I mean, I listen to a wide variety of, of music. I mean, certainly there are songs that have a lot of uh, impact on me. You know, when I think about my my six buckets I like to fill, you know, emotional, I think one of the best ways for me sometimes to fill 
my emotional bucket is just to sit back and listen to some music, you know, something that's maybe allows me a little bit more introspective and think more about my life and my place on this earth and think about my family, think about my, my parents and think about getting older and, you know, all these different things. Um, you know, so I find a lot from, from that. Um, you know, I play music as well. I haven't been as active lately. It's one of those things kind of new year's 2020, 2022 resolution. I have my yeah. plate to try to do more of that, but um, I think I kind of got bored with it for a while, but getting back into that, because I know that's a great emotional outlet. So I really, I look at it more, it's just, it's exercising a part of my brain that I think the other things I do day to day don't exactly mm -hmm. exercise. And that's what, uh, that's what I really get most out of music. Sometimes it's just simply sitting out back, you know, with the smoker going with some music playing yeah. and just having fun, <laughs> but sometimes it's more personal and, you know, laying yeah. in bed with, with the headphones on listening to music closely you know, like yeah. get a lot out of that as well. Yeah. So that's certainly a, a system to help you. And you mentioned the posse earlier. Are there any other systems that you think about use uh, that you've created that you've discovered? You know, I think making sure I'm keeping track of what I need to do. I mean, a lot of mine's come, the systems I'm thinking about are more functional. Like how do I make sure I get done what I need to each day? Um, the journaling has been been big the posse yeah. acronym thing for for juggling or handling that but also you know I've, I've started using here it's been several years now but i started using trello pretty extensively mm -hmm. um and i use that for all of my i have a, a personal to-do list that i just keep track of in there and i create call them swim lanes and I, I forget what they call them on i think they're they're not boards i think they're columns i forget what the, the terminology is in trello but you can set up different yeah. i call them swim lanes so different swim lanes for the different activities you have going on so like i've got a today's swim lane which is just what i need to get done today and then i've got a weekly swim lane that's everything i want to get done this week and then i've got a monthly swim lane so i can track you know what i need to get what what i want to focus on for the month but then the things that are more important get moved over you know more and more to the left as they become more important become more uh dominant and you know whatever i'm focused on that day or that week and then move more to the right as you know mm -hmm. things that i need to remember and it's also great just for you know it's going through cancer and now i deal with like follow-up checkups still even though yeah. you know I'm, I'm mostly cancer free i'd still get these things where i've got to deal with like insurance stuff and calling people you know you get on the phone and they say well, we got to resubmit this and it's going to take 30 45 days and yeah. i gotta remember to call them back because I'm at home <laughs> and they're going to send it to collections and so i use it a lot of times for that like i have a, a swim lane just for things i'm waiting on mm, and i'll keep yeah. i'll keep documentation i'll take pictures of my of my bills and post them there so i've got my account number or the mm -hmm. invoice number whatever information they need on yeah. that, the date of service i got all that right there and i keep it all in one place like trello has been huge for me in managing mm -hmm. that in fact you know one of these days i'm gonna put together like a blog post or something like that yeah yeah it sounds like you I, don't, get I don't know if it's the greatest system in the world but it works really well for me i've tried to-do lists and different to-do apps and i could never really get exactly what i wanted out of those the way i've yeah. been able to with trello so it, but i think everyone has their own process their own things they're trying to solve you know, other systems work better for other people. That's another thing I'm a big proponent of. It's like, you know, it's not a one size fits all with, with this sort of thing, mm -hmm. right? It's what works for you. Yeah. So when you think about your cancer and do you, do you feel like that season prepared you for the pandemic season that followed it? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, you know, some extent I'm like, well, I survived that. Um, you know, certainly, you know, and I mean like the, the odds, like with, the type of cancer I had, it was like, you know, high 90% survival rate. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and even within that, it depends on the type of testicular cancer you have. So some may be closer to 95, some may be closer to hundred, might have to be closer to hundred, but 
it's kind of like the pandemic, right? Like the odds of survival <laughs> of that yeah. was maybe, you know, some people say like 1%, uh, but you know, then it breaks down into different risk groups being higher than, than yeah. others and stuff. Yeah. I think, I think it did. Um, you like, know, did you also, set up systems during that season that ended up helping you in, in, in the pandemic and the craziness of 2020 and, and that bled in 2021? Um, not really or I mean, it as more far just... as like coping system you know i think it's yeah. more you know i don't think i was ever really that intentional about setting up systems to help me to help me cope i mean there were there were definitely practices like i can remember when i was going through through cancer um you know i was real intentional about making sure um i didn't do certain things that might be unhealthy like you know i, okay. I occasionally have a glass of wine or yeah. you know beer or whatever else and never uh go crazy with it but you know, I see people that get really tempted, but like, I remember when I was in going through chemotherapy, I was at uh, MD Anderson in Houston, uh, doing inpatient treatment for, for yeah. five days for chemo and talking to the nurses about, it, and they're, they, you know, got to develop friendships with them. And they would yeah. tell me about other patients who would literally have like bottles of like, you know, Jack Daniels, or whatever in their room, like wow. drinking while they're going through chemo, I'm like, holy moly, that is, yeah, like that's intense. Yeah. What, like, how about you know, on the, on the business system side or, or just the, you know, the disruption that, that the pandemic created, losing clients, getting new clients, uh, oh, working remotely more often, things like that. That's, you know, that's one of those things that I think you're, you know, maybe that's a good, good way to look at how we prepared uh, and, the, you know, we we're ready for the pandemic because one, our business, our employees have always been remote since 2013, mm -hmm. but uh, it forced us to try to build more systems to handle that remote work. So we were already prepared when I had cancer in 2018, um, certainly prepared now. Um, and we built a lot of systems to make sure we have accountability. Um, you know, also just the way we hire, bringing in the right type of people and looking at some of the intangibles, not just can this person, you know, if we're hiring a developer, not just looking at their raw abilities of what their capabilities are in terms of coding ability, but also looking at, are they, good people are they easy to communicate with are they people that are self-starters and can manage themselves or do they need a lot of babysitting you know those things yeah. are really important to us building a culture based around that and so we were able to do that and i think that that's all systems we have in place with our hiring process and the mm -hmm. way we we hire in order to facilitate that and it's it's paid dividends for us since we we built that you know i remember telling someone back when i had cancer i was in a mastermind group and i was talking to them about it and they were telling them like there's no better way to stress test your your system so <laughs> to get cancer because then you know you're like yeah. offline and of course my wife's co-founder but you know she had it just as bad if not worse than me because she's having mm. to deal with me and then deal with all the different things appointments and scheduling and mm. insurance and all this other stuff so it was like a full-time job for her too and so we both kind of pulled away you know and yeah. so the system we had to rely on the systems and the people that uh that are working in those systems and unfortunately we made it through um yeah. so i think we we did something right there yeah yeah, that's interesting. I uh, when I shifted from owning the business to to freelancing, it was quite a intense emotional ordeal for me. And um, but that whole process did it prepared me for the pandemic. So when the pandemic hit, I thought I was going to have to shift again. But I, I realized in retrospect, oh, I'm, I've already made that shift. I just did it several years <laughs> earlier. Oh yeah. yeah. And um, and so I ended up uh, it, the pandemic ended up being more of an opportunity for me to actually. Um, take advantage of versus trying to survive so yeah yeah I think it's it's one of those things where you know maybe that's the silver lining in all this is that mm -hmm. it's allowed us to get like a better perspective on on life um you know I I think we live in a culture I think that's one of the takeaways I see is like we live in a culture where it's very focused around 
like social media and your social presence mm-hmm. and the things you're doing and where you're checking in and what vacations you're going on and stuff like that. And it's, you know, you see a lot of things in, in life, like you look at events prior to the pandemic and how much ticket prices were going up on events and how much, you know, restaurants and stuff, how crazy and wild that the whole restaurant scene has become foodies and all this other stuff. Right. And so like yeah. getting to simplify and go back to like a, a simpler life of people thinking about, well, man, I might grow a vegetable garden in my backyard because I've yeah. got time <laughs> and I can't depend on the grocery store to have, <laughs> have yeah. lettuce every time I go down there, you know, stuff like that. Like, I think there's, yeah. Maybe Remodeling my house instead of leaving and buying a new one, you know, just make yeah. what I have better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think there's a lot of lessons from that that have changed, uh, certainly impacted me, probably has impacted most people. And I know that, you know, we deal with a situation now with the pandemic, especially places where, uh, you know, they're confined more, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I feel bad for people who live like in New York City, live in, you know, small uh, rentals or whatever. And, you know, they're, they're trapped in when, when things go up yeah. on the, the curve and all that. And like, you know, feel yeah. bad for them. It's like, well, um, you know, mental health is obviously a big, big thing yeah. these days. Well, it's and I think it's, easy. it's twofold there. You have external enforcement, like uh, New York, where the, the city is forcing them to stay home. But I, th- I think there's also a lot of people that are self-enforcing yeah. where they're not leaving, even though they have permission uh to do so because of maybe it's the anxiety or maybe it's the isolation or whatever uh introversion as you mentioned <laughs> mm-hmm. it could be a variety of factors so but you know as, as introverts we love like being able to wear a mask and just have an yeah. excuse to stay home <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i'm yeah, joking yeah. about that because you know where, where we live not not a lot of masking going on i'm not yeah real you know i, I may wear it occasionally you know certainly places that, that require it yeah i'm gonna wear it you know i'm not one of those going and yelling at people or anything like that but you know just trying to balance all that out like figure out what is the what is the right thing to do but um you know i, th- I think there's there's definitely a lot of a lot of lessons to be to be learned from that just building yeah. building out your life and finding a way to be more comfortable with yourself some people just cannot handle being home you know they yeah. constantly got to be going and I, you know, I'm the type where I, I gravitate towards like a simpler life, especially as I get older. And so, you know, a lot of ways I would say when we went through the pandemic, it wasn't a big change to us because we were used to only going out to eat maybe once mm-hmm. a week, if even that. And then most of the time spent at home running kids to their social yeah. events and stuff like that. So maybe that slowed down a little bit, but with everything else is the same because we kind of live out here where there's not a lot to do anyways and kind of like it that way. So yeah, yeah. What a big uh, transition yeah, for us. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it is interesting just, you know, like you talked about, um, a few times in terms of, uh, the lessons learned, the blessings received. Um, you know, I, I remember one client told me that they, they were a financial, uh, consultant for companies. And they said the companies that were well prepared for the pandemic were prepared because of what happened in 2008. And so, um, there is something about going through these storms that changes us, that prepares us, that, that molds mm-hmm. us into better leaders because the net, there is another storm coming and sometime it'll be bigger. It'll be, or it could be smaller, but, it, but they're coming, you know, and um, you know, it's not a matter of if, but just when. And so if we can become better people to, to help um, to get through it ourselves, but also to help others through it, it's um, it's a huge opportunity for us to do that. So. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. So um, what, uh, what other, is there any other words of wisdom or things you wanted to share that we didn't get a chance to, to touch base on? You know, I don't, I think we touched most of the, the high points. I mean, I think, you know, it's obviously, we're, I don't know, uh, we're recording this obviously just after, after New Year's. Uh, so, 
you know, certainly New Year's resolutions and change mm-hmm. and how I can improve myself is, is, you know, front and center in my mind. Uh, we talked about the journaling and stuff like that, that I've, that I've been doing. I think that's been, been real big, but yeah, I think just, you know, we deal with all this craziness and chaos and sometimes it's hard, you know, and sometimes we just have to, we have to live and accept the reality of, of where we are and, you know, adjust to it. And I think that's something that, you know, some people are adapting to better, better than others. Um, you know, if you're sitting around just waiting for things to get better so you can resume normal life, well, you know, you got to keep in mind, this may be around for a while. We may be dealing yeah. with this for a while. So, you know, resetting your expectations and just find a way to find meaning in life because meaning in life doesn't have to be about going out and doing all these different things. You can find meaning in a lot of different, different ways. Yeah. Um, I think in, in a lot of ways, it's been, it's been helpful for people to re-embrace their, their families. And, you know, think about people who are professionals who travel yeah. constantly. Um, they're on the road five days a week and never see their kids. Well, now they're having to relearn what life is like being at home, you know, seven days a week, uh, month after month. And so um, there's probably some good in that, you know, and just, yeah. you know, continue to pray for everybody that, you know, obviously businesses are impacted by the pandemic and stuff like that. Seems like we're doing okay. But yeah, I don't know what's going to happen next. Um, yeah. So just being being prepared. But yeah, I think, I think we hit most of the high points, though. Yeah, yeah. High points or low points, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, what are you up to and how can people connect to you? Well, the best way to find me is just uh, go to our website, caffeineinteractive.com. Um, you can reach out to me there uh, through our contact form. You can email me at dustin at caffeineinteractive.com. Um, you know, and what's any, the, anything. What's, yeah, what's the type of work that you guys do and, and who, who do you work with? Uh, work with a variety of different companies. We work with a lot of... Uh, you know, we started working with a lot of charter schools doing um, marketing work for them, uh, helping them out during the pandemic because um, they've seen a lot of decreases in enrollment. So doing some of that as well as helping people with websites and web and mobile app development solutions. So uh, we kind of run the ga- gamut on the whole digital side of things. And so, um, yeah, if there's ever anyone has a need with, within any of those areas, we're happy to, to help and hop on a call and talk about your need, uh, whether it's a new website, new app or help with some marketing stuff where we kind of do the, the whole thing there with our team. So happy to, to help anyone that, that needs it. Okay. So uh website, caffeineinteractive.com, you said? Yep. All one word, no hyphens, nothing else. Just caffeineinteractive. Okay. And social media, are you active uh, on there at all? Um, not really. I think our businesses. So, you know, we have presence on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Yeah. So, uh, and I think those are all linked off our website too. So that's a good way to, to find us, okay. but it's certainly go to Facebook, search for caffeine interactive, you know, just search for caffeine interactive. We should probably be at the top of that list. So you'll cool. find us there. We post on there from time to time too. So. All right. Well, sounds good. Thank you so much for, for sharing your life with us today. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jason. I really enjoyed this. Thank you for listening to this episode of Share Life. For additional stories and systems to live better and work smarter, visit jasonscottmontoya.com. That's jasonscottmontoya.com. We look forward to having you listen in on the next episode of Share Life.